0: Hey everybody, this is Josh Schultz, pastor at Mountain View Lutheran Church in Great Falls, Montana. And I'm Nathan Larsch, pastor at Illumin Church in Rock Hill, South Carolina. And we are sharing this conversation uh, to give you a piece of God's Word to chew on this week as you uh, continue on in your walk of faith. Uh, we know that it's not easy always to uh, sit down on your own and then open up the Bible and have a devotion. That's why we want to have that with you. Uh, Wherever you're at, uh, whenever you're listening to this, that we can uh, grow together in God's word and hear again uh, from John, the beloved disciple of how much Jesus loves us too. And today we are in John chapter 9. We uh, skipped over, passed over a few chapters. Last time we were on uh, chapter, I believe it was chapter 4, or maybe last time we recorded, what was that, Nate? Was that chapter 4? Yeah. And... Uh, we're doing that because we are, are preaching on this and studying it on Sundays as we continue to follow what we call the church year. Uh, and now we just started the season of Lent, and so we're focusing on uh, the sections of John that really uh, play or do well with that theme of, of walking with Jesus at the end of his ministry as he continues to go to Jerusalem uh, to the cross. And that's why this is so good because it talks all about Uh, human suffering, and we know what Jesus suffered for us on the cross. But here in John 9, it's a really long section, uh, 41 verses, and you really got to read it all to understand the context. And so what we'd like for you to do, if you haven't already, to uh, press pause and go and open up your Bible or look at your Bible app, or maybe if you're driving, listen to it uh, in your Bible app of somebody reading it to you, and uh, then you can come back with us and we can talk about it.
1: So welcome back. If you, welcome back. If you went and read John nine, wonderful. Uh, we're just going to jump in the very first two verses. I'm going to read them real quickly. Um, and we're thinking about human suffering because uh, this is really the, the big question here. So uh, as he went along, Jesus saw a man blind from birth. His disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned? This man or his parents that he was born blind. And basically they're saying, Jesus, why is this guy suffering? And they assumed that it had to be because someone sinned. Um, So Josh, what's going on here?
0: Uh, What's going on is we're getting a, you know, such a a key section of the Bible of asking those big questions uh, about human suffering. And I just think this is so uh, pertinent in that, whether you are a Christian or not, you're asking this question, right? If from a non-Christian perspective, people wonder um, how could a loving God allow this, like somebody being born blind, how can he allow that to happen? And from a Christian perspective, uh, the question is, well, if if I'm one of God's people, if I'm a believer, if God loves me like he promises, how could he let this happen to me? And I just think those are very legitimate questions that we see God's people asking throughout scripture and we know we've heard them in our own life we've probably asked them um ourselves i know i have and and the reason why we ask the question is because we know two things right we know who god is right that he is this all-powerful he controls everything and he's loving he's a god of grace and love and mercy and then the other thing we know is what the world is actually like and we know that if God created it, if he controls it, these two just don't line up. It seems like this big contradiction. And uh, that's why when we look at how the disciples approached it, it's a legitimate reason, meaning we use our human logic uh, to put to connect the dots. And they ask, well, God must be punishing him. If God's in control, he must be punishing this man with this blindness uh, for something he or his parents or his his family had done, and uh, Nate, you want to talk a little bit about how that probably is not the best approach for for us Christians to take.
1: Um, yeah, beyond the fact that Jesus says in the very next verse, which we'll talk about in a minute, that this wasn't the case. Um, Yeah, it it seems like it'd be a good thing if this is the way it worked, because then we'd be kind of in control of our own destiny. Like if we uh, don't sin, then things are going to be okay. Or if we act how God wants us to, well, then he's going to bless us. And um, like just like in your job, if you do a good job and you fulfill the role you're supposed to, then number one, you're not going to lose your job and you're going to get paid. And number two, you might get a promotion and you'll make more money or have a higher position, like the better you do. And that's like in some areas of life, that's great. And like, if you're in school and you study hard and you get a good grade on the test, well, way to go. Mm -hmm. Um, you did the work, you put in the work, you got the result. Um, but it's, it doesn't work out this way because God says it doesn't work out this way. And if we If we think that no suffering equals no sin, it's going to lead to a couple different things. Um, Number one, we'll look down on other people um, because we'll see someone suffering and we'll think, ooh, I wonder what they did to deserve that. Um, I don't have that suffering. And underneath our kind of just thinking, oh, what did they do? Is this, this feeling like, oh, I didn't do that. I must be doing something right. Yeah. right. Um, and then like suffering is going to happen in your life. Even if right now is the best time ever, like, you're going to suffer. And if you've operated on this assumption that no suffering must mean no sin um, or no suffering means I'm doing a good job, well, then when suffering does come, then this pressure just is going to kill you and despair because the only the only explanation you can have for it is that it's your fault mm-hmm. and then and then you're stuck. Um so when things are going great this seems like a good way to operate but eventually you're gonna suffer and then you're gonna be crushed by your own worldview I guess I could say.
0: I think it's it- yeah no absolutely yeah thanks for sharing that it's I think why this is such an important chapter of the Bible for us to wrestle with. And it's interesting that you said that, like you just said it point blank, which is so true. It's like, you're going to suffer right there. Even if things are going well in your life, like you are going to go through a time of suffering and truth be told, you know, wherever you're coming from listening to this, you're not going to hear that from, from pastors all over, right? You're not going to hear pastors talk about, Oh yeah, you will suffer because a lot of times, as Christians, some people turn Christianity into, um, you know, this bed of roses. That because we're God's people, He's not going to do anything but bless us. Well, that could lead to that could lead to a, um, a false hope, right, uh, of what the Christian life is actually all about. And when you look throughout Scripture, Scripture is all about, you know, God's people suffering. Look at Jesus Himself, the prime example. He came and he suffered. And it, it just the reality that this will happen in your life. And we know that from our human experience. And the purpose of John chapter nine is to say, how do we view it? How do we understand it? And how do we handle it? And where do we go uh, when that that suffering comes? And that's why it's so important to study a text like this.
1: Yeah, I'll say it a little bit uh, different way. Like God it does always promise to bless us but sometimes those blessings are going to look like curses or suffering. Mm -hmm. But as we see here, like, I'm I'm just going to go right into verse three. Jesus says, neither this man nor his parents sinned, but this happens that the works of God might be displayed in him. And ultimately when, you know, you've all read through John nine, what happens here in the end? Well, the guy can physically see, and then even better than that, he sees that Jesus is the son of man, his savior. And so this might seem completely unfair to us that however old this guy was, you know, for probably decades, he had not seen, and uh, like we think, how could Jesus do that to him? How could Jesus allow that to happen? Well, the the spiritual sight that he received mm-hmm. more than like quote unquote, "made up for the suffering that he went through for decades, because the spiritual sight was going to last forever and ever and ever um, and that's what God is always trying to do no matter what no matter what um, the the ultimate why of suffering is that in some way God's trying to bring us closer to himself and strengthen our faith through our suffering um, and leading us to trust in him above everything else in one way or another that's always the why behind suffering and it's the why behind this suffering too.
0: It's interesting too of Jesus, like right away he says he, he like he just cuts him off, right? Uh, and and I wonder of how long. I mean, we don't know because John is just writing this, you know. But again, to to be there, you know, I just see Jesus cutting them off right away and say no, like just stop it, stop asking the question. Neither this man nor his parents sin, and you know that what we've been talking about, and I know I talked about it on Sunday, is just to say. It's like you can't live life trying to connect the dots and cause and effect of, you know, this is happening in my life. I must have done something wrong. And Jesus, he himself is saying, stop it. No, this is just uh, when we talk about, you know, in effect, a, a consequence of sin, not to a direct sin that you committed, but just this is the life we live in a world torn and corrupted and twisted and infected by sin and any hardship in life comes from that god is not the source of it it's you know going back to the garden of the fall that this is the life we have to live in this life and that's why we that's why we you know praise god for opening our eyes to see that it's not all about this
1: life it's about the place he's taken us
0: yeah yeah yeah.
1: it's not all about what's right in front of us it's about what god promises not just for now but for for forever um I, I don't mean this to sound uncaring or anything, and we're all going to ask why, but when we're suffering or when someone else is suffering, maybe, and you can you know, push back on me if you think differently, the best question to ask is not why. The best question is to ask, hmm, I wonder what God is going to do right. through this. Mm-hmm. And And then you might never actually see what God does. You might never know, oh, Because of this suffering, God did this as the result. You might never see it. So really maybe don't even ask the question, what is God going to do? Just trust that he's going to do something Mm -hmm. that is ultimately more good than the suffering was bad. Does that make sense?
0: Yeah. Well, he says he did this so that the work of God might be displayed. Now he talks about right there, like there's going to be a visible display, like right about to happen when he gives the man sight. But the truth is, what you just said, like, sometimes we might, it, may, it might never be displayed to us. We might never know. Um, and I think that kind of leads us to, you know, when you talk about verse 4 and 5, when Jesus says, as long as it is day, we must do the work of him who sent me. Night is coming when no one can work. While I am in the world, I am the light of the world. Uh, what, what's Jesus getting at there?
1: Well, he's just so, laying, he's laying out day really day simply day and day. clearly. His purpose and our purpose as well. Um, I don't know. I I enjoy paraphrasing the Bible, even though I don't do it that often. But I just picture him saying, "Like guys, like forget about it. Like stop focusing on the sin of other people and their like whatever problems they have, and just do what God has placed in front of you to do." Um, and I, Jesus says, "We." He doesn't say "I" in verse four. says as long as it is day we must do the works of him who sent me um night is coming when no one can work and night being the end of life here for each of us night being uh, the end of time when we can't do anything else um and then we might ask well what are the works of the one who sent jesus well jesus says while i am in the world i am the light of the world um he was there to shine the light of God's love into the world. And it's our job while we are in the world to be reflections of Jesus, the light. And I mean, there's a lot of different ways you could sum up what's our purpose, but as long as it is day while we're in life, like shine the light of Jesus to the people around you.
0: And that's um, what this man did. Right. Right. When, when he totally giving yeah. his sight, He was, like, put on trial by the Pharisees, and they even put his family on trial to say, you know, to to try to discredit the miracle of Jesus because they didn't want anybody shining the light of Jesus and talking about Jesus. And the man could not help uh, but tell others of what Jesus had done for him. And he didn't care what the consequence would be. And he suffered consequences like being thrown out of the synagogue, but he shined the light by speaking the truth
1: of Jesus. Yeah, I mean, how many different people did he say... Jesus opened my eyes. Jesus opened my eyes. I don't know much of anything else, but I know that this guy caused me to be able to see again.
0: And man, we talk about, we've been talking about this a lot as we go through the gospel of John. It's just like, John is constantly giving us his witness and teaching us how to witness to others. Like, what did this man do? He didn't do anything complicated. He just testified and he told others, about what jesus had done for him and right isn't that the life of a christian um i'm not forcing you to believe it i'm not you know shoving it you know into your thick skull i am simply telling you this is what jesus did for me and as christians oh man what an opportunity we get we get to in the same breath say jesus did the same thing for you jesus lived for me he lived for you he died for me he died for you he rose and that proves i'm forgiven he rose for you and proves you're forgiven too.
1: Yeah. Um, whoever's, whoever's listening to this, maybe we'll tell you to pause once more. Like write down your answer to this question. What has God done for you? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. What has God done for you? Hit pause, answer it. And now you're back. What has God done for you? It's such a simple thing, but there's so many answers, but really that's all the guy did of his you know his evangelism work his proclaiming jesus he just said here's what god did and that's all we have to do too and i think it's important in a realistic sense as we talk about suffering like the guy after he received his sight he continued to suffer the entire chapter Mm -hmm. you you mentioned he was like shot down by his neighbors his family the pharisees um This is everybody and important, powerful people who could really harm him. And then even at the end, you saw that they threw him out. Um, They threw him out. And then who was there to pick him up? Jesus. Because Jesus went and found him and gave him spiritual sight, which was the goal all along.
0: I guess I didn't, I didn't think about that until you mentioned it of like, man, what a, what a summary too of the life of a christian right coming to faith seeing and then because of that like it's there's going to be times where you know people oppose and question what we believe and what we're saying saying about jesus and 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 then the end result again summary of the life of a christian it's just like in the end who is the only one we have standing next to us again and again and again it's jesus he's going yeah. to us and when we find ourselves feeling alone because we're a Christian, um, feeling rejected because of what we've told others about Jesus, uh, never doubt that Jesus comes and he finds you. Uh, he comforts you. He, he seeks you out and he's there with you. And He's what, he, what does he do in verses 35 through um, 38? All he does is bring the man back closer to him and he gives him those, the eyes of faith and
1: that's the life of a believer yeah yeah um, let me let me say something it, um, it's it's gonna be it's a gut check for me. maybe it is for you too and for anyone who's listening. We saw the guy proclaim Jesus, proclaim Jesus, get rejected, get rejected. Um, and you mentioned feeling rejected, but Jesus is always there. like if you're not being rejected by people
0: mm-hmm.
1: you're probably not speaking about Jesus enough, right. Uh, because the more you speak about Jesus, the more people are gonna, some people will listen and some people will not listen. And so, and I said, it's a gut check for me because yeah, I should go out and get rejected more. Um, because if I'm not getting rejected, I'm, I'm either just speaking to people who already know who Jesus is or like, why would I not want to go out and get rejected? Cause it means I'm, I'm proclaiming Jesus to people who don't know who he is. And that's, I mean, that's our purpose. While, what did Jesus say? While I'm in the world, I'm the light of the world. We must do the works of him who sent me. Uh, That's our calling.
0: Right. And I have it a little post-it note. Actually, I I think about this all the time. You talk about fear of rejection and telling people about Jesus. I have a little post-it note, like right in front of my face, uh, right behind you, as I look at you in the computer on Zoom here. Uh, But it says, what do you have to lose? Mm. Um, you know, yep. what do you have to lose? Every time you, you tell somebody about Jesus, you got to think to yourself, what do I have to lose? I have nothing. I have, I already have everything. I can lose nothing. Uh, but the question is, what does this person have to lose if I don't tell
1: them about Jesus? Yeah. And uh, what do they have to gain? Right. If I do
0: it, I mean, how often do we look at everything in a risk and re, you know, risk and reward. It's just like, uh, I'm really at no risk. Truly. The only thing that yeah, can come yeah. from this is reward. Yeah, so I've that's got a, a, good, that's a good final thought because we are late
1: night. We have we both yep. have a meeting that we're supposed to get to. <laughs> so All right, I'm going to say a really short prayer. Really short prayer. Here we go. Uh, dear Jesus, we have everything we possibly need in you. We have nothing to lose. And everyone who doesn't know you, they have everything to gain. Uh, so fill us with your light and let us shine that light, um, even in the face of rejection um, out into the world because there's people who need to know you. Amen. Amen. Uh, Thank you so much for being with us today.
0: Uh, Like I said, Nate and I are off uh, to our own little meeting with a few other pastor friends talking about uh, how to do evangelism better. Um, Pastors from around the country, uh, former classmates of ours, so we're really excited about that. And uh, we hope this was a blessing to you, and we are looking forward to uh, seeing you next week as next week we start working through John chapter 10. Uh, God be with you until we uh, meet with you again.